0: Welcome to the Apwazi Wine Buzz Podcast. I'm your host, Dr. Clinton Lee. So, welcome to another episode of the Apwazi Wine Buzz Interview series. Our next speaker and guest tonight is someone that I would really put the words Vene Vidi Vici. Words that, that resonate through history and said by Julius Caesar I came, I saw, I conquered. Our next guest is a woman who is not only a mother, but a wife, a businesswoman, and a woman who takes strides literally, and, and the earth will quake. She has an MBA a bachelor's in commerce from Mumbai. She has studied the entire spectrum of the hospitality from the, from the actual service right through to the retail. And what's more fascinating is she's literally, as it has been said, one in a billion. Allow me to introduce you to Sonal Holland, who is also India's first and currently only Master of Wine. Welcome to the program, Sonal.
1: Thank you, Clinton. That was a very nice introduction, probably among the best that has ever been said about me. So I might use that again. I might use your your help again for another introduction somewhere else.
0: It would be my extreme pleasure. Now, I'm going to ask you, Sonal. Sonal, it's a lovely name, but Holland... That's not exactly your typical Indian last name. Please, share with us.
1: No, it is not. Holland's not an Indian uh, last name at all. It's actually a British last name, and that's only because I'm married to a British. Uh, I met him because he was working in India as an expatriate. We met through work, and then, of course, there was a connection, and and then we started dating, and eventually we got married. And now I've been married for uh, over forget actually 16-17 years and um, yeah it's been lovely but I what's funny is I have a lot of people ask me Holland are you from Holland and I'm like why would I be called Holland if I was from Holland but anyway Holland's an English surname so and I thought I thought when I got married of course I had the choice of keeping my name or take his but then I thought Holland sounds so much more glamorous in the wine business so I thought I may as well take his name and start calling myself Sonal Holland so.
0: well, it certainly has that fine edge and and uh, very sharp you know Sonal Holland and uh, I, I, I think it has a wonderful ring to it now thank you
1: at least in India it has great recall because if you share it with someone because it's distinctive and different people remember me uh, so that's always a good advantage to have right
0: Certainly, when you're dealing in a country with 1.3 billion people, I can understand that. Certainly. So, you left a career as director of sales with a NASDAQ Fortune 500 company. This was a huge momentous change on a biblical scale. Why?
1: So, I was, yeah, you're right. And, you know, great research. I, I was working in a NASDAQ listed Fortune 500 company as a director of sales But a point came in my career where I felt I I had worked enough in that organization. I had learned everything I needed to. It was a very rewarding career and uh, there was a future ahead of me, but uh, I felt that as an industry, it didn't do justice to my skills and my talent and it didn't allow me to showcase them in a way that I would have liked to. So a point in time came when at the age of around 33, I just wanted to reinvent myself. I wanted to do something that hadn't been done before, something more unconventional, where I had an opportunity to be a pioneer in an industry that was up and coming. And uh, this this just came from within me and I decided to take a risk in my career because it was a well-paying, rewarding career. I was well on my track to probably becoming the country CEO. So in that, in that sense, it was a big risk, uh, but I'm glad I took it.
0: Well, you certainly have. I mean, you, you have taken that in your stride and you have excelled. I mean, you're extremely you. successful, You know, as you either run or you own Sonal Holland Wine Academy, there's Soho Wine Consultants, there's India Wine Awards, Vin to Wine Retail, How do you manage your time? And how big is your team?
1: So before I answer that, you know, I mean, it's great that you put it like that. And, you know, life is always beautiful when seen in hindsight. You know, when I look back on all these initiatives, and I agree that it all seems like a lot and so on. But when you actually walk the path, and you're doing things, you're doing things more instinctively, you're doing them because You feel there is a need, there's a gap in the market. And I've been fortunate that, you know, in a country like India, Mm. uh, which is so nascent for wine, there were hardly any initiatives, any, any kind of businesses. So, for example, at the time when I started Sonal Holland Wine Academy in 2009, there was no educational institution that could teach about wine in India. And because I was studying from the WCT in London, when I sort of thought to myself that if this industry was to scale and if there had to be more and more professionals who would follow a similar path like mine and wanted to sort of, you know, if there was going to be a wine industry per se in India, there would need to be a need. There would need to be an institution within India that is providing world-class education. So I felt, okay, here's a need, here's a gap, let me try and address it. And that's when I I started Sonal Holland Wine Academy with the vision of uh, providing world-class education to hospitality professionals and and, uh, wine enthusiasts as well. So that started that in that sense. Soho Wine Consultants was started because there were so many international companies over the last decade and more so in recent years that have been looking at India as a very important market, as as a market that they would like to be in with their wines. Uh, But there are lots of myths, there are lots of um, challenges in terms of entering India. India is a very regulated market for alcohol and for wine. Uh, People don't understand how to navigate the system. So I felt as a consultant, I could do a lot of justice advising international companies on how to uh, strategize a complete route to market. So everything that I did, you know, Clinton, it all arises from a need. And I was fortunate because I was always among the first. I mean, I guess that's what being a pioneer is, right? Because or I was among the first pioneer, yes. hero professionals in the market. Everything was sort of the first, you know, um, uh, even when we started our retail in 2017 with a chain of modern retail stores, it was, it's been among the first generation, first wave of modern, sophisticated wine specialist stores that have opened in the country, because prior to that, the only kind of wine stores we've had have been very um, um, traditional, very cross the counter. They've not been dedicated to wine. So you walk into a store where you get wine spirits, everything, storage can be poor, availability of choice can be poor. So when we started these wine specialist stores, we felt, okay, India was ready now to have something which was modern, which was world-class, Uh, with a wide variety of wines and basically focused and dedicated to wine. So everything we've started, I've been fortunate to have been among the firsts, Uh, but it wasn't planned like that. You just do it because you look at the market, you say, here's a need. And am I going to take this opportunity or am I going to let someone else take the opportunity? And I suppose if you have that hunger within you, which I think I do, I'm I'm constantly sort of, um, I'm constantly in a state of uh, unrest and dissatisfaction. So uh, I felt, okay, well, before someone else takes this opportunity, let me grab it and let me do something about it. So well, that's what happened.
0: Well, certainly it appears you have the sensational desire. And, um, you know, I, I find there's also a sense of altruistic behavior by you wanting to open up the Wine Academy. Because yeah. I find in many ways, having traveled to India several times myself, I find India to be perhaps certainly in the wine aspect, perhaps where China was 20 years ago.
1: Absolutely. Absolutely.
0: And um, that's true. It's, it, it's a market where um, you, you have a new generation coming in and uh, they are more globally traveled. They mm-hmm. have um, started to see more and more of what is outside. And they are coming back and they are filling up with these wonderfully lucrative positions but careers, and with it, they bring the influence of the outside world. And clearly, you are a prime example of that.
1: Thank you, you're very kind.
0: Yeah. What responsibility do you feel, if any, that you should be sharing wine knowledge in India?
1: I, I feel a tremendous sense of honest to be able to do that because I think ultimately being a master of wine is a, is a privileged position to be in. And uh, I've always been of the thought that a master of wine is what a master of wine does. Ultimately, if you have the knowledge and you've been fortunate to be able to acquire it over your own years of studying and, and traveling and being exposed to uh, you know, wine countries, uh, if you're unable to share it, it's almost like depriving yourself and someone else the joy of wine but also in the not so much the altruistic sense but honestly I feel that if this industry has to grow and it has to scale up then we all need to be able to share our knowledge and uh, and truly create an industry and create a ripple effect and create something that is worth talking about. India is a, a few years behind China, China really benefited from a lot of support from the government. Uh, you know, I wouldn't say it's 20 years. I mean, sometimes, you know, an economy can open up, open up at the click of a button like Hong Kong did, you know, just when taxes went, you know, uh, zero, okay. it just went from zero to hero, right? Yes. Sometimes it just takes a click of a button, like I said. So something could could work for india who knows i mean i always you know i wear these rose tinted glasses i'm constantly in this optimistic state of mind where i think something will give way uh, and uh, and the government will relent or or something will click and we could be the absolutely the big thing and not necessarily the next big thing which we've been for the last decade so um, I always tell every, every client I work with, every wine company I'm in touch with, that be ready, just always have one foot in the door, be here in India with your wines, be marketing them, because you never know if the market explodes tomorrow, and it just sort of goes from zero to hero, you should be in the front seat, you know, driving, um, not at the back. So, so that's what it is.
0: Oh, I think um, what you're saying is absolutely correct. Because the market in India is very different to other markets, the perception. You've had huge multinationals, Procter & Gamble, Unilever walk into India. Their marketing, the product, the size of the product is very different when you're yes. dealing with North America.
1: Yes, and, but also why I mean, just products? Even if you think about the Alco beverage, uh, I'm sure you know this, Clinton, but India drinks more whiskey than anywhere else in the world. We are the largest whiskey drinkers uh, drinking market in the world of uh, the top four um, whiskeys drunk from around the world in terms of volumes are Indian and they're made in India. Oh, uh, we, drink more whiskey, we drink more whiskey than than Scotland produces, mm-hmm. and God knows we drink an equal amount of beer and yes. also rum. And so we're a very very big spirits market. Um, oh, So to me, wine is just a matter of time because today wine is the fastest growing beverage in India today in terms of percentage terms. Uh, It's it's the new media symbol of celebration, success, sophistication, elegant living. Uh, More and more women are taking to wine and of 1.3 billion Indians, half are are women. We have 650 million women. So if you think of it in terms of those numbers, uh, one out of 10 people walking this earth is an Indian woman Uh, because, you know, we're six and a half billion people walking this earth. So 650 million Indian women. So statistics are staggering. If you look at the Gen Z population, even, you know, everyone's talking now Gen Z, Gen Z, everyone has its sights on the Gen Z and the fact that they are going to be the richest uh, Gen Z the world has ever seen. And they're all digital natives, they all have a great propensity to buy premium products. India is home to 20% 20% of the global Gen Z population. So one out of five Gen Z walking this earth again is an Indian. So oh, I yes. think there's a lot of future opportunity uh, with a little bit of support from the government on the taxes and regulations mm-hmm. and wine continue to grow steadily in its in, in the way that consumers love it. Uh, I think it's a matter of time. I, I hope to see in 10 years, tremendous changes in this market.
0: I think there will be substantive changes and just touching on a point that you mentioned about whiskey, in your TED Talk, Sanal, you mm-hmm. said that you wanted to go about changing Indians from drinking a tablespoon of wine and changing them from, as you put it, a whiskey guzzling nation, that it is into a kingdom of wine. Now, that was four years ago. That yes. Time. What have you managed to do so
1: far? Oh dear, gosh! You're asking me for my report card now. Um, Not at all. <laughs> no, no, that was a fun TED talk actually, and obviously I had to say something impactful. And I always find that the statistic that India drinks like a teaspoon of uh, you know per capita consumption uh, is always a nice statistic to share because it always sort of catches people's attention, even globally. Uh, I think we're about a tablespoon now from a teaspoon, so we've probably doubled. We drink about 27 to 30 million liters of wine today which is again in comparison to to whiskey or any other spirits still very little but it is growing steadily. Wine is growing at 14 percent year on year uh, and as I said you know wine is usually popular. Today we're being exposed to wine uh, all the time you know in the last 18 months for example Indians have consumed so much as, as as everyone else consumes so much Netflix and Hotstar star and prime video and every international movie film it you know we, we see we see the lead actor or the actress you know consuming wine even in Bollywood movies and we make yes. more Bollywood movies than I, I, I enjoy them to, Khan, yeah. I, yeah. I, I
0: love yeah, Bollywood
1: I, is a massive industry in India we you know even a decade ago uh, there was no wine in our movies, but today, when you see a romantic scene or uh, you know friends coming together and you know those kind of socializing scenes, yes, yes, all indeed. depict they all depict wine. To me, these are all very very positive trends because we are very influenced by our movies. We take oh, our movies it's very a soft
0: power. Quickly. It's the soft yeah.
1: power, and we don't realize, but subconsciously, wine is taking over. Uh, you know, it's kind of displacing hard. Spirits, particularly among the younger generation, particularly among women, uh, who are taking to wine in a big, big way now. And this so, is certainly
0: the case in China, absolutely. Think, yeah, what that's yeah, thinking.
1: absolutely, yeah. So, so we're not dissimilar, and you know, I often find I, I, I've been to China a couple of times. I've been, I've read a lot about it. I've been exposed to some amount of its its wine culture, mm-hmm. which obviously mm-hmm. is booming. But uh, I find as because we're from the same part of the world, geographically. Yes. There's so many cultural similarities, you know, there, there's um, so many things that, I, that are so relatable to me, even as an Indian, yes. as part of the, the Chinese culture. So uh, I feel it's really, honestly, just a matter of time. We just need to extrapolate a few years ahead. And uh, hopefully we should be there.
0: Yeah, it's just a matter of time. And that was a stunning presentation, your, your TED Talk. Sonal, and you. you ended your talk and you said, my name is Sonal Holland, master of wine, and my job and mission is to make India love wines. You also said, though curiosity is high, consumer awareness is low in India since people constantly depend on familiar brands while buying wine. So what challenges do you foresee to bring wine as a larger consumed beverage in India, Sanal?
1: So you're right, consumer awareness is absolutely uh, still growing. It's probably better now in the past five years than it was back then when I made that TED talk. Um, but I think in terms of awareness, people are more aware of, of styles of wines and maybe more countries that produce wine, and maybe a few more grape varieties. But overall, the the knowledge is very surfactual. It's not in-depth. But but that doesn't concern me so much, to be honest, Clinton, because even if you look at some of the most developed markets for wine today, uh, and God knows China is among the top five markets anyway. But even if I look at more traditionally developed markets like the UK or the US, Mm. if you go beyond the professional community, And if you speak to an average common person who's enjoying wine, and if you question them about grape varieties or countries or regions, even they know very little. You know, the average price spent on a bottle of wine in the UK today is somewhere around six or seven pounds. So, my point being that wine, I think globally, is an elusive drink. I think it's always going to be um, a drink that. that sort of eludes people and it remains mysterious and to a large fraction of the population may come across as complicated or even intimidating. Um, And so what invariably ends up happening Clinton is we professionals, people who have a little bit more knowledge about wine as compared to an average consumer, we end up talking to each other. We end up conversing and dialoguing about about wine within ourselves, because, you know, that's how we gratify our own selves with our own knowledge and and build onto it. Uh, So to me, that's the bigger challenge. To me, the challenge is how do you speak and communicate about wine to the consumer in a way that it will always remain exclusive, but you make it also inclusive. You sort of bring more people into the fold. How do you make wine fun for them? Today, if I look at the India landscape, for example, and, you know, because we drink so much spirits and beers Mm -hmm. too, Every other drink category is fun. If I look at the way these companies market their products, it's all about fun, socializing, hanging out with friends, chilling over a glass of chilled mm-hmm. glass of beer or something like that. But mm. with wine, I'm afraid we still don't know how to communicate, or sometimes still tend to ride at 30 or fly at 30,000 feet above sea level, you know, with our communication. Mm-hmm. And to me, I, I, feel very strongly about this, that we need to make wine accessible, affable, uh, and enjoyable, and we must learn to communicate more down-to-earth, more uncomplicatedly. Uh, And if we can do that, I think we will continue to popularize wine uh, in India, uh, and all efforts are on.
0: So really what you've said is, and I agree with you, we need to make wine more simple in the terms of the message, the communication, More inclusive and honestly, understanding what are the key points of this new Gen Z and Gen X, as you were mentioning earlier on. Because, you know, when we, in my experience, and also having interviewed many, many um, uh, people around the globe. The new method um, of assessing wine is not just the standard, what is the color, what, you know, what is the level of sweetness, acidity, sure. tannin, is it balanced, is there length? The piercing questions that they are asking now are, how sustainable um, is this winery? Uh, are they biodynamic or dynamic? Um, what is the carbon footprint? Um, there was an article that I had written about um, Michelin restaurants now are being awarded green stars.
1: Yeah. And now
0: there is this question of the rating of wines. There seems Seriously. to be a paradigm shift. And, and bearing that in mind, so now where do you see India in 10 years time? Let's say in terms of being a wine producing country.
1: I think the production of wine is going at a steady pace, uh, but there are difficulties. There are, you know, there are, there are a few players, like three or four, who are the top big players who sort of established themselves in the market with a fairly dominating market share for their wines. And these wineries continue to innovate, uh, launch new products, uh, bring in flying winemakers from around the world for help. But there's all sorts of innovation and upgradation and improvement that is happening at these wineries. Uh, But where at one end we have these wineries, you have a whole lot of other smaller wineries which lack the marketing budgets, which are struggling, which have difficulties on uh, strategizing on how to survive in the long term. And some of these smaller wineries are also being engulfed or being taken over strategically by some of the larger wineries for some sort of a collaboration or a joint venture. So I expect some sort of a consolidation to happen mm-hmm. among wineries and hopefully the bigger will go from strength to strength and the smaller ones will find a way to survive by joining hands with the bigger ones. Um, one thing that excites me a lot about India as, a, as, a, as an industry is our potential for wine tourism. You see, India really aces hospitality. We have some world-class hotel chains that exists in India. Oh, yes. And we have a rising, rising set of people with more and more and higher disposable incomes. And as you correctly said, Clinton, a few sentences away, Indians are extremely well traveled. We have wheels under our feet. We travel overseas, we travel within India. We oh, yes. love to constantly take vacations. And so I believe, you know, tourism, domestic, you know, tourism has a fabulous opportunity where we can develop something you know inspired by the lines of what Napa Valley did with its industry I'm not saying at that scale because Napa Valley is too big and now almost like untouchable in terms of scale and and bandwidth but something inspired along those lines I believe India has an opportunity to create wine trails uh, to cultivate you know tourism activities around it places to stay experience wine food I mean people love our food we're we're so big on that We understand hospitality. Um, So I think we're good at this, I think we can ace this game and to me Indian wine tourism is a story that I've been watching very closely over the last five years. I'm very upbeat about it and there's a number of wineries that have made some very good strides in this area. So that is something I expect to develop from the Indian wine industry point of view over the next uh, 10 years a lot uh, hopefully, there'll be another master of wine, uh, if not, I mean, more than one, if, but at least one more. Um, and uh, I think the professional community will continue to grow because now more and more people are investing in education, they want to learn about wines, they want to, to choosing wine and, and being in the Alco beverage as a proper career, there are more women coming to the fore. You know, back when I started, uh, there were a lot of women who would face reservations from their family, uh, right. from society around in terms of why this industry is this the only industry you found to be in so but today those are those shackles are shedding and and more and more women are are joining the, the fleet of professional women in alcobev so all of these are very positive you know mm-hmm. sort of trends i mean there's i could go on and on but of course, in the i mean of time, you know,
0: those those challenges that uh, woman as you said uh, in the past when, when you decided to study for this um, uh, for this program they appear to be insurmountable walls, but you know, with a steady attack, you you you've, you've crumbled them, and you've succeeded, and you've won, and you touched the very famous and very uh, uh, point close to my heart, which is food. Mm. So I yeah. spent the first ten years of my life growing up with Gujaratis, so I oh. am very very uh, familiar with Indian food. So. And having been to India and with many different friends, you know, from Punjab to Kerala, you know, India has a gargantuan array of magnificent flavors in their food. And you have on your TV channel discussed pairing. How, how is that progressing now? You know, with, because people often think, oh, you know, uh, Indian food, it's going to literally numb... My, my, my palate, I'm not going to feel anything. Oh, it's got to be a Riesling, uh, a sweetened Riesling. Or maybe it's going to be, um, you know, weltliner because it's got that sort of spiciness. Yeah. Or, oh, maybe it's a Gewurztraminer, but the low acidity in that may not be. So where, where do you see the, do you, do you see the palate uh, changing or do you see some of the, the, the style of Indian food changing? As it has. Yeah. In, yeah. in China to some degree. Yeah,
1: of course, of course. Um, so firstly, it, I think the Indian community is hugely fascinated with the subject of food and wine pairing, okay. we I get a lot of questions on on across all the videos that I put up or even on Instagram or on my YouTube channel um, and, and generally speaking, like, we get a lot of people asking what can I pair with this food, what can I, But the truth is, if I can really be funny about this, but the truth is with a lot of us Indians, whilst we are fascinated and in love with the idea of pairing food with wine, when the food arrives at the table, a lot of us actually forget to start, you know, forget to sip wine, we just forget about the drink, and we start just eating. And I think it also comes from the fact that culturally, uh, I don't know whether this exists in Asia, Clinton, you might be, you know, the rest of Asia. Mm -hmm. But in India, we've been taught that when you eat food, you should actually not drink water because it interferes with your digestion. You should yes. not consume any liquid because it interferes with your digestion. You see, and I think, uh, because you know, Ayurveda says that. Yes. And because uh, I'm, I'm not saying, you know, I'm following Ayurveda, but habitually, a yes. lot of us definitely tend to forget about drinking. The other reason is if you're all sort of standing up and drinking, you know, if it's a, sort of a stand up yes. socializing event it's kind of hard to pay attention. But even at a dinner, um, because culturally, we've been a whiskey drinking country, we've been used to doing all our whiskey and spirit drinking before dinner. And serving and eating dinner almost marks the end of the evening. It's like you're supposed to eat and get out, you know, wherever, wherever you're being hosted. So I think this whole concept of food and wine pairing at a proper sit down dinner is a concept that is just new to us and we're still we're fascinated, we're in love with the idea of doing it Um, but I try not to over academize the subject, you know, I don't want to make it too academic. I try and always encourage people to try different combinations, explore because God knows that Indian food is also so varied, Our, our flavors, our use of ingredients changes every few kilometers. Uh, So there is nothing like South Indian and North Indian and West Indian. That's very cliched. That's overgeneralizing. We have uh, changes changes in our methods of cooking, use of ingredients, recipes, every few 10, 15 kilometers. So the food is very varied. um, And uh, I like to constantly deal with just helping people understand that there is no such concept of a single wine for a single dish. There are innumerable number of combinations. And with a few basic understanding of guidelines, you can form your own combinations, you can try any number of wines and dishes. I don't like to advocate to say, you know, Gruner Velfina is the best or only Pinot Noir works or only Mm -hmm. Beaujolais works. I don't like to do that. I just like to try because I've also tried a a full-bodied, rich, opulent Barossa Shiraz Mm and it has worked beautifully with one of the lentil dishes that I tried. So I, I think try it's all that. about... It's one of my favorites, you. yeah. Thank you. So it's all about, you know, trying different combinations and keeping on trying. Also, also just one of the things that I want to point out is that when we cook in India, we don't quite cook the way Indian food is represented overseas. A lot of our flavors back home when we cook at home, they're very elegant. They're not high on spice levels at all this very, very moderate or even low level of uh, fiery spices in our food, because we consume this every day, right? We don't yes, want yes. Our, our taste buds ablaze every delicate, single
0: day. Delicate taste. Uh,
1: so it's very delicate, it's very elegant. Um, so I think that also then gives us a lot more opportunity to enjoy wines on a day-to-day basis with even our home-cooked food. You
0: know? I think you brought up an excellent point there, you know, in terms of the way that uh, the Indian festivities where you're having a party, where you're drinking before, and when dinner is served, that's literally signaling, as you said, the end of the evening. I mean, in, 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 in many Asian countries, it's, it's what the Italians would call the family style. So if you yeah. were to go to a Chinese restaurant, your meals don't come one dish at a time. They come right. all at once. Yes. And you have sweet, sour, spicy, uh, umami, chili. They they all, all there. The
1: all same. on the table.
0: Exactly, and and that was a challenge uh, for how um, the, um, the, the 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 that particular market. You know, do you go with the red? Do you go with the white? Do you go with the bubbly? But as you said, the new generation come, the trend changes, and. Um,
1: so now the trend about eating is completely changed in another direction. If you've noticed, I don't know what how it is back in your country but in our country, nobody's into meals. Everybody's grazing. You know, we have these grazing platters which are just snacking uh, yes. and so people want to nibble on crackers and cheese or some sort of little, little you know, sort of finger foods or, which is good for wine actually because, you know, you sit with a glass of wine and you, you have explore. all of these things on a, on a single big platter. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you're not really eating dinner, dinner. You know, you're just sort of snacking through the evening. And that's what people are loving now. You know, there's all this is being, you know, when people have started entertaining now each other yes. in yes. smaller formats, people mm-hmm. are putting out what you call grazing platters. And that is what's in a lot in Vogue in India at the moment.
0: Well, that's something I'm sure will catch on in other parts of the world. Now, on on a changing tack a little bit here, Sonal, you're a very successful and uh, influential lady. Did you feel at any time being a woman and one of color have challenges for you? And my second part is what advice would you give the BIPOC community wine professionals?
1: Sorry, what was your second question?
0: So the question was, so so let's let's deal with the I first understood
1: part. the first part. What was okay. the second part? So
0: the BIPOC, so you know, black, oh, BIPOC.
1: yeah, of yeah,
0: color, yeah. woman in that community, in the Y, as a wine professional, what, what advice would you give to them?
1: See, everybody has his own journey, his or her mm-hmm. own journey. And it's kind of hard to templateize that. But I can only tell you mine. I feel that firstly, the fact that I'm of a different color or brown color or come from India was never at a disadvantage for me. To me, being a minority and adversity have always been my two biggest strengths. Uh, I think people have been adequately fascinated with India. So every time I would travel during my MW studies, or even my studies prior to MW when I was studying from the WSCT in London, the, as soon as people would find out that I have flown in all the way from India to do these courses and to my aim is to be India's first master of wine, they were so captivated by the aim, the mission. They felt that that the fact that anybody had even taken that up as a mission was, was, um, was inspiring, hopefully enough. So I've always been, met with uh, a lot of admiration, a lot of encouragement, a lot of help. So minority has always been my advantage and it continues to be today, right? Like you just said, Clinton, one in a billion. How would I be one in a billion if I came from a country that had already many, many MWs before me? Or how would I? So I always feel being a pioneer, being a first has only played to my strengths and not my weaknesses. My adversity has also played to my strength because, because I had so many sacrifices to make in terms of time away from family, a huge outlay of capital because I had to travel, I had to invest oh my in my, you know, in my, in, in, through the MW journey and educating myself. I had, I had uh, no access to world class wines here in India. So I could only rely on international travel and help coming from others through mentorship. Uh, to build my own knowledge base. But all of these adversities, all these sacrifices, you know, I missed my daughter's third birthday. I missed my best friend's wedding. I spent innumerable number of days and nights away from home, traveling around the world, almost like a nomad, uh, you know, just, just with this singular mission that I want to be India's first master wife. So to cut a long story short, all of this adversity built my resolve. It kind of made me feel that God, this had better be worth it. You know, I'm doing all this. Uh, I'd better take this to its end game. You know, I'd better reach the goalpost. So to me, it only strengthened my resolve. And uh, of course, we've all had our fair share of instances where men um, sometimes undermine you, but that's not so much for being a BIPOC or a person of different color. Mm-hmm. Sometimes as a woman, you know, um, who's trying to play shoulder to shoulder with men in the real world, you can be undermined. And I think a lot of times men don't even realize they're undermining you when they say that. You know, I've had men say to me, oh, you don't need to work. You have a successful husband. You don't need the money. Uh, Or, uh, oh, you can just, you know, put on your your diamond solitaires and turn up and it'll all be good. And I think they mean, I think they think they're joking, but subconsciously they're really undermining you. Yes. Um, so first, I used to get stumped when I used to hear this. You know, I would be strapped for words. I wouldn't know. Then I prepared myself, and now I always have responses back. But uh, and I make sure I let the person know that um, you know I, I don't I don't appreciate comments like these. But uh, uh, it all takes time, and ultimately, it's about what you focus on, right? I can't. I don't have time and the bandwidth to focus on on playing. Some sort of a minority or some sort of a disadvantaged person. I don't think it's within me like that. So, so I the think message I probably- that
0: I, I'm hearing, Sonal, is wonderful. It's fortitude, focus. Yes. Take that mission, and that's what you want to do.
1: Yeah, I think my problem might be something else. I think my problem might probably be I intimidate people around me. I'm trying to unintimidate myself. Not at all. Uh, not
0: at all. I think they would find you. Uh, very charming indeed, Sanal. Very Thank charming you. indeed. Thank you. So my last question for this interview is, how important is it, in your opinion, when learning about wine, to learn about the culture and history of those countries as well?
1: I think it's incredibly important, Clinton. And you would also know this because as professionals, we travel around the world. Every time you go to a place of origin and you try the wine, your mind just opens up and you see wine in a completely different context. If you're just seeing wine as a drink in a glass with, made from grapes with some alcohol in it and some flavors and aromas, I feel that's a very narrow view of the drink but when you sort of visit, you know, for example, I just talked about Barossa Shiraz. So I'll speak about my trip to South Australia, for example. I, I was on a long trip to South Australia. We visited. But when I went back to the place, I had no idea the kind of legacy, the history that existed. A lot of us people think tend to think Australian wines are the new age wines, which probably have just a 10, 20 year history back behind them. But when I visited, I saw there were some vines, old vines growing in South Australian regions of Barossa and others which date back to 165 to 175 years old there's so much history there is so much you know the personalities they are so larger than life these winemakers are so incredible they sit on a wealth of knowledge there's so much to learn when when you're with them at the vineyard looking at the soil experiencing that culture you know dining with them eating in their homes with them you really start to understand the context of wine within their culture and many you start to appreciate wine sorry
0: many of them are generational
1: exactly there's so much history right some of these are 200 year old uh, 500 year old in italy and you know look at antinori it is in his 17th generation of winemaking. I mean, God knows who was drinking wine 17 generations ago, maybe dinosaurs. But you know, just the <laughs> fact that they've come such a long way and survived and not just survive, but they're still in their A game of winemaking. That is so fascinating. So wine is such an intrinsic part of so many cultures uh, abroad, overseas. I feel that unless we travel, unless we see wine through their eyes too, yeah we are unable to appreciate wine in its entirety. I think we, our love for wine grows manifold and our respect for wine as a beverage grows manifold when we travel and we experience it at its place of origin uh, you know, within its people. Um, and then you're able to, to bring all this appreciation back home with your heart full and then you think, okay, I must tell these stories now. I must find platforms and reasons and excuses to tell these stories. And so to me, then I find that very inspirational because then I come back home and I think, what can I launch next that will allow me the opportunity to be tra- able to translate these stories back to people? So I feel it, it, it's very inspiring. You know, traveling with wine or for wine is very, very inspiring, very broadening and very liberating.
0: Absolutely. It's you, you feel compelled that you have to share. That's the experience yep. that I've had yep. when I've traveled. Yeah. You know, you know Sonal. there's a saying that we live our life in a house. And our house has primarily four rooms. You know, there's a spiritual, there's a cultural, there's our health, and there's also family. And that we should visit those rooms at least once a day, even if it is just to air the, air, air the room. And by doing so, you have a meaningful and fulfilled life. So, Noel Holland, I feel that you have shared with us today, you have and you continue to air those rooms within your life. And what you've achieved so far is not only meaningful, but it's inspirational. Thank you very much for being on our show.
1: Thank you for your thoughtful words it's been a real pleasure being on apwasi thank you for inviting me and allowing me to share my thoughts
0: beautiful thank you so much sonal we wish wonderful. you wonderful
1: thank you so much take care see you soon
0: pleasure you've been listening to wine buzz podcast if you enjoyed this podcast then please leave a review or share it with a friend Apwasi is an online wine and spirit institution dedicated to promoting culture and diversity through the world of education. If you're looking to get started, we have a free online course that we are giving out to all our listeners. For more information, head to apwasi.com. That's apwasi.com.